This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey everyone, welcome to The Science of Beauty, a podcast from Allure. I'm Diana Mazzone, Senior Beauty Editor. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. On this podcast, we dive deep into the science behind beauty and the products we're always talking about and using here at Allure. This season, we're focusing on hair. And today, we're talking all things conditioner. So uh, Jenny, we're going to have a little therapy session here. When did conditioner first sort of come into your consciousness? I was about probably six-ish. I was in the shower with my mom. I'd had a bowl cut for the first few years of my life because my parents didn't want to subject me to gender norms. So like I was only in overalls and had a bowl cut. And then as soon as I could like speak and express myself, I was like, this isn't going to work. And so from then on, I grew like just never cut my hair. So by six or seven, my hair was like down to my waist. And so the easiest thing for my mom was just for us to get in the shower together. She would shampoo my hair and then she would condition it, although she called conditioner cream rinse. So she would always be like, and we have to do the cream rinse or we're not going to be able to comb through your hair. So then she would do the cream rinse and we usually used a brand, I think this was the shampoo in the shower too, a brand called Flex. Do you remember Flex? You need the clean that can take it. Flex Balsam and Protein Shampoo. Revlon's unique shampoo clears dirt and grease. I remember having my hair combed through after the shower using that L'Oreal detangling spray that looked like a little fish. And new L'Oreal Kids Tangle Tamer. L'Oreal Kids! One, two, three, detangling! That leave-in conditioner, I can smell it now if I close my eyes. It was very distinct, very fruity and tropical. But I guess that was my first exposure to like a leave-in conditioner. I don't know if leave-in conditioner was even a thing yet during that flex era of the early 80s. But now, like now I am my mom. So I have two boys, but the younger one is seven. And he has not cut his hair since before the pandemic. And so, and my older son has always had short hair. So I'd never experienced like being the mother of a human with hair. So now we have to have a routine. But I think he kind of likes the whole routine. As he said to me the other day, Mom, you you used to be the most vain person in the family. But now you're not vain at all, which I kind of took as an insult. I think because I haven't been like wearing makeup and like going to work every day in the same way. But he said, but now with my hair, I think I'm the vainest person in the family. (laughs) And I do catch him sometimes tossing tossing that conditioned hair. I mean, who wouldn't? In the mirror. Who wouldn't? Well, you correct me if I'm wrong, have traveled the world in the name of hair, no? I have. I have. Where did you go that you got to experience what I heard was a transformational conditioner experience? Not that long before COVID. It was fall 2019. I got to go to India, to Jaipur, to experience the Indian 
hair oiling technique, which was amazing. So first I learned hair oiling in India is really, it's often used as a verb. Mm. And it's kind of a national pastime, like, and a family affair. Like, it's very, um, talking to to people there, they were saying, like, a lot of their earliest memories are, you know, sitting at the feet of their grandmother, of their mother, as they were having these oils massaged into their hair. And that it was really, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a therapy session. You would open up about things. It was also just, it's always so relaxing, obviously, to have someone massage oh, yeah. your head. But yes, yeah, so I was lucky enough to get to experience the ritual with a professional hairstylist. It was an evening appointment, I remember, and the stylist took a mixture of castor oil, coconut oil, and olive oil. She said that mixture works well because castor oil alone can be too heavy to spread evenly, so she throws in some of the other two. And she warmed them all up so she could really get that mixture through my hair. And then it was just like a full 15 minutes of massaging them into my scalp and then really pressing those oils into every inch of my hair through the ends. Wow. I'm jealous. It it was amazing. It was definitely what to do right before you go to sleep. So relaxing. And so then she braided my hair and the next morning washed all of those oils out. It did take a couple of shampoos, but my God, my hair was so soft, so silky. It was like it had never seen a drop of bleach before. It was incredible. Wow. That sounds just heavenly. It was heavenly. And I actually have today's guest to thank for that experience. Dr. Jenny Thomas is a global principal scientist for Pantene. She was in India exploring traditional techniques like these that could inspire new modern Pantene formulas, and I got to tag along. So I'm very excited to have Dr. Thomas here today. Hi, I'm Jenny Thomas. I have been studying the science behind hair and scalp and all of the products that we use to take care of them for more than 15 years now. Amazing. Well, we're here to chat about one hair product in particular, and that's conditioner. So I guess we'd love to start by asking, what is conditioner? Yeah, often people think that conditioner is quite a basic product, but I think of it as something that is incredibly important. It just doesn't always get a lot of credit for the workhorse that it really is. So when you think about, you know, washing your hair, typically you start with a shampoo and that's mainly about removing the stuff that you don't want on your hair, you know, excess oil, styling residue. And the conditioner is, is really about restoration, shine or hydration. It's also about restoring strength. And this can happen by giving back some of the nutrients that hair loses just by normal weathering. I take, for example, lipids, you know, much like you have lipids in your skin that are so important to keeping your skin moisturized. The same is true for hair. And when we're exposed to a lot of UV, in addition to everything that we do to style our hair, that lipid structure gets depleted. And so conditioners, you know, one of the things that they do so well is to restore those lost lipids so that you can get back that flexibility, um, the strength, the softness, the water resistance that hair was naturally meant to have. 
So the conditioner is kind of replenishing both what the shampoo is taking away in the cleansing process and just what the environment is is doing to the hair? So definitely what the environment is doing to the hair. Um, the shampoo, if it's formulated well, and if it's working as it's intended to, it should really be working only on the surface of the fiber. So it shouldn't be taking with it stuff that is bound to that internal structure. What happens though, like as you go through UV exposure in your hair, it'll break down some of the proteins, some of the lipid structure and make it so that, you know, it becomes more water soluble, which means it will wash out with your wash because it's broken down and it's lost the links to that natural structure. So it will come out in the wash, but only because it's already degraded. And that's what those lipids that have been broken down, a conditioner can help to go back in and fill some of those pores that are left behind. And that's more of a superficial effect then, right, Jenny? Because once your hair cuticle has been stripped, it's stripped and you're, there's very little you can do about it to my understanding. Correct. So it's not a permanent fix. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to reattach. So the lipids in your hair, you have some that are what is called covalently bound and that's to the surface where, you know, naturally it's built and those things are pretty hardwired onto the, the surface of the hair fiber. But those do get broken down by oxidative stress, like from coloring, from UV exposure. You have some others that are more, that are inside the fiber that tend to be a little bit more mobile. So they're not as hardwired, but they're really happy in their little environment. And so they're not going to wash out as easily just by washing your hair. Um, but once they get broken down, they can more easily wash out. So the lipids in your conditioner will help to go and fill back those gaps. And sometimes those can last through a couple of washes, the ones that have gone back in, but they're not covalently reattaching. Um, if you stop using a conditioner, those that have built back up on the inside will eventually, you know, come back down. Is there anyone who doesn't need to be using a conditioner? I know a lot of fine haired people who speak of conditioner with a certain amount of fear, but should everyone be using at least a little bit? So in my opinion, I think anyone who wants to keep hair of any length, you can benefit from using conditioner. I totally understand how people with really fine hair um, can be a little bit shy about conditioners. There's so many people who have like their conditioner tragedy stories because their hair has just been weighed down, deflated. It feels really bad because they had the wrong match with their hair type. But a really fine hair fiber can have up to 50% less protein than a thicker hair fiber. And it's the protein and the lipid combination that gives hair its remarkable strength. So if you don't have that, you know, inherent strength, it's incredibly important to use conditioner to help it glide, help those proteins stay protected um, so that you can continue to grow it. Yeah. I mean, I have super, super fine hair. So this all resonates with me. I mean, are there certain ingredients I should look for certain ingredients I should avoid? I find that to be a really tough question to answer because when you look at an ingredient list, you know, it tells you very factually, these are the ingredients. This is the relative levels of each ingredient based on the lists, but there's so much more that it doesn't tell you. So take, for example, you see on an ingredient list, dimethicone. That could be any one of hundreds of dimethicone possibilities. 
So it's not telling you how much of that ingredient is there. Um, what's the size or the molecular weight of that ingredient that's going to determine, is it really lightweight? Is it going to be much more intense and deeply moisturizing? And that's where you want to look at what are the language cues that you might find on a package to tell you, is this lightweight? Is this deeply moisturizing? Is this intense? That language is really important because it's reflecting the choices of ingredients that are in there that that ingredient list isn't telling you, if that makes sense. But you can say, you know, for example, glycerin is a great hydrating ingredient. Curls often get dry just because our natural oils don't wick down the fiber so easily and it can leave the ends feeling pretty straw-like. And so something like glycerin is a great choice. Um, Histidine is one that if you're using it at the right levels has some antioxidant properties. And so going back to the super fine hair example, when you wanna do everything you can to protect that protein structure, antioxidants are a great way to go if they're proven to really work to reduce oxidative stress because they help to prevent that protein from breaking down. So there are certain ingredients that hair types can look for, but you also have to really pay attention to the language on the pack to be able to make sense of what's in there. Is the packaging even a signal? Like something in a tub is going to be much thicker than in a tube than in a bottle? Yes. It's a good rule of thumb that if you can spray it, if it's on the more translucent side, it's going to be lighter weight. If it's super thick, really opaque, really creamy, then it's a good signal that it's great for you know, more intense benefits. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to the science of beauty. Talking about like tubs and things like that and sprays makes me think of leave-on conditioners. And I've always wondered what the difference is between a leave-on conditioner and what you're using in the shower and if you can use them interchangeably. Um, some, of them, some of them are very similar. And actually, if you looked at an ingredient list, you might look at it and say, oh, you know, I see a lot of these in both. And that's because certain ingredients um, can work on dry hair, or they can work on damp hair and stay on, others can be rinsed off. Where it gets a bit complicated is some of the chemistry that's in a rinse off conditioner. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term gel network. Ooh, no. Yeah. It, it's why making a conditioner is not as simple as going into your kitchen and sprinkle of this, sprinkle of this, mix it up, and here's this nice cream that's going to work. This chemistry known as gel network is using some of the active ingredients to also deliver ingredients to your hair that might otherwise want to wash down the drain. So think of it like encapsulated actives, but that capsule is also going to do something to your hair once it gets there. Um, this type of chemistry relies on the dilution effect that happens when you rinse to 
really kick in and do the work. So you're not going to use that kind of chemistry. You're not going to rely on it in the same way in a leave-on conditioner as you would a rinse-off conditioner. So if I'm using a hair mask in the shower, should I still be using a regular conditioner beforehand? It's really up to what you're using that hair mask for. And oftentimes the hair mask is going to provide you the detangling, the manageability that you want from your conditioner in addition to one specific issue they want to address. But if you feel like that treatment that you're using is so targeted to the one thing that you want, but it's not spanning the range, then you might be able to, you know, combine the two and end with the mask to top it off with that targeted treatment. So what makes something, Jenny, a mask? Is it, it's the thickness and the, the amount of time you're leaving it on the hair? It tends to be more of either the thickness or the way that the formula is created to do the job that you, that that mask is designed to do. So thinking about a mask as a form of a treatment and treatments tend to be geared towards solving a particular issue with conditioner. And this goes back a little bit, Jenny, to your question about the amount of time. What we find is there's no harm in leaving it on for longer, but it doesn't appear that you get um, loads of additional benefit after the amount of time that's required to sufficiently distribute it. I think it's good to have a wide tooth comb in there to very gently work it through. You don't definitely don't want to be pulling, you know, anything through too aggressively. And then once it's fully distributed, I mean, if, if you want to go on and shave your legs or do something and let it sit, that's great. Um, there's, there's not an issue with doing that, but if you're in a hurry and you need to go ahead and rinse, you're not sacrificing something by not letting it sit because that rinsing then is going to release the active ingredients from that gel network, that special delivery package, um, so that it can get to work and be working for your hair while it's wet, but then also throughout the day. And what about the, the nighttime conditioner? So Jenny, as we talked about earlier, the last time you and I saw each other, we were in India learning more about the traditional hair oiling ritual there, which I was treated to before bed. So the oils stayed in my hair all night long. I washed them out in the morning. The results were incredible. Is that something that people could attempt at home? Yes, absolutely. So oils can work well for that. Um, Leave-on serums can work well. I would advise against using a rinse-off product and sleeping with it because your hair could end up feeling a bit sticky unless you plan on washing it again. But I'd really go for something that's meant to be left on. So there are a number of reasons why. Um, One is that when you sleep and as you toss and turn, there's friction that can happen through your head. So that has a protective benefit in using some of those leave-on treatments so your hair can glide over each other. Um, another is for night washers who, you know, perhaps they put their hair back in twists or braids or um, something that lets them then have an easier morning by releasing it. It's smooth. It, you know, is more cooperative and ready to go. Putting it back with, depending on your hair texture, an oil or a leave-on serum will help keep that soft, help keep it a bit more workable the next morning. So it should ease the getting ready process. 
So do curls also soak up more conditioner? I mean, I think of fellow Allure editors who have curls and coils, and it just seems like they go through bottle after bottle of conditioner. Is that something to do with the curl pattern? Yes. So curls, okay, you think of the twists and turns that they have. Each twist and turn creates the lifted cuticle effect. And, you know, we're on a straight fiber you should have all of your cuticles like shingles on a roof, but for curls, they're going to lift on each twist and turn. And when they lift, they create more openings for things to move in and out, which ultimately leads to hair becoming more porous simply because it's more exposed. So even if you haven't color treated or you haven't done anything extreme, it's just the nature of curly hair, which on the reverse means it really will soak up conditioner, leave on treatments. Can you overdo it? Like if you use too much conditioner, could that affect your curl pattern? It depends on the kind that you use. It could just be too much weight and your curls won't hold the shape that you want or won't bounce as you want. They, they're not going to do harm. It's just the look. Um, some conditioning ingredients are about, some are creating a coating on hair. Some are about targeting specific properties on your hair. So for example, they might seek out the more negatively charged spots where damage has occurred or where that cuticle is lifted. Um, And then others are going to go in and work inside the fiber. So the ones that are blanketing, think oils, for example, oils tend to be high molecular weight. They don't penetrate well into the core and they're not so smart to seek out certain areas. Those can overwhelm, you know, you can have curly hair, but finer hair and an oil may be too much for you. Um, But if you're using conditioners that have more of those targeting ingredients, which tend to be in the rinse off conditioners, then it can be a little bit harder to overdose because if it's not, if that part isn't there for the ingredient to find, the excess will rinse away. Um, And then the other part of the ingredients that then penetrate to work on the inside, those tend to be much lighter weight. Um, They don't come with the heaviness of the high molecular weight ingredients. So those are also really difficult to overdo. Can you talk to Annie for a minute about keratin? Because it's a word that it seems to be coming up more and more in hair products and in conditioners. I know earlier you'd said protein and lipids give hair their strength. And so conditioners kind of replenish those lipids. Is there anything to a conditioner being able to replenish that keratin or that protein? This is a really important question. um, And I'm glad you raised it because I think there's a lot of confusion there. So keratin is a, an essential part of the hair fiber structures. It's naturally made. So the hair fiber is 85 to 90% protein. It's critical to hair strength. Um, So many of hair's properties. The proteins are huge molecules relative to the molecular world. They're huge. Um, And you lose them as they get, these big pieces get broken down. You lose the little pieces. You cannot put back that big keratin molecule. You just, it simply will not diffuse back into the fiber and then go situate itself where it once was. So that's one of the ways that they're very different from lipids, where lipids, you can put lipids back into your hair after they've been lost. Proteins, you cannot. 
So I think technically the best thing you can do is to keep that natural keratin structure in its best shape, prevent the breakdown of it so that you don't even have to get to the point to think about, well, now what do I do if I've lost it? Because hair changes a ton once you've lost it. But if you see products or treatments that are promising to put keratin back, at least where we are today, it's not technically possible to put it back. It seems like keratin and conditioners makes me think of collagen in skincare creams and topical creams that, you know, it sounds really great and it can do great things, but it's all very surface. You know, it's a, it's a nice moisturizer that stays on the top of your skin, but it's not, it's not penetrating. It seems like keratin is a little bit the same. It is. I have a controversial question. What are your thoughts on two-in-one, three-in-one shampoo, conditioner, body wash, the combos that we see lurking sometimes in, you know, fraternity showers and in places where people might not think to have separate entities? There's, you know, there's technical truth in there for the jobs that they can do. So let's take two-in-one, for example. Um, that's cleansing and some conditioning which was a technical feat to put those two together because it's like mixing oil and water. And it wasn't until the 1980s after people were trying for decades, how do you put these two into one formula that it was finally cracked? And the fraternity shower is a great place to find this because you get a quick fix, getting some of both and go on your way. Um, for people who, especially if you've got hair of any length, you're doing anything to your hair, you really need to take the extra time to do each. So you get the full benefit of each because you're ultimately going to sacrifice. You're not getting the full conditioning experience out of a two-in-one. You're getting the quick route. Got it. So a watered down experience of both perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you've got a product that is meant to both clean and condition. Those are two opposing directions. And then some throw in body wash in there, which sounds like, right. how, why? <laughs> that goes well beyond my hair expertise. So I'm not sure what's happening in that three-in-one body wash. <laughs> Got it. Something not good, something you don't want to happen perhaps. No, and I can tell you it's not in my shower. Got it. Say no more. That that <laughs> says it all. Mm-hmm. 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 So, Jenny, when you're testing how well conditioners work, or in the case of the controversial two-in-one, don't work, do you test it on human heads or oh. in a lab? Oh, Jenny B, have you been in the hair room at Pantene headquarters? Because it is the wildest, craziest thing you walk in and you're just surrounded by hair. It's yeah. <laughs> hanging off these little clips and it's like, truly feels like the the walls are lined in hair. It's kind of wild. I mean, Jenny Thomas would explain it better than I, but it's, it's pretty crazy and the strangest experience. Yeah. <laughs> That's a starting point, you know, where we want to do screening of formulas or new technologies is start with representative samples of hair. And Diana can attest to this. I mean, you walk into that room and you see hair of every texture, color, um, damage level. And we actually found that our hair wasn't, that we were using in the lab wasn't damaged enough to reflect what the hair that people really have on their heads. So um, we're constantly looking to make sure that what we're testing on in the lab is reflecting 
the wide range of hair types that are out there and then changing when we realize they're not. One of my favorite tests that you do is, and I don't think this is on a human head, but on one of those strands is you have the untreated as an unwashed with shampoo and conditioner strand and you put a water droplet on it and it absorbs the water droplet and -hmm. then you wash it, you shampoo and condition it and do another water droplet and the droplet stays a droplet. It doesn't, it's not absorbed by the hair speaking to how you've managed to create that that barrier and re kind of repopulate that cuticle is really fascinating and that's really like power of lipids right there is when your hair if you had if there is a perfectly healthy head of hair somewhere in the world and you take that model of health and you put the water droplet on it will stay as a water droplet because that's how hair was meant to be and to resist, you know, a lot of these forces that we're facing, but you put a droplet of water on most people's raw hair and you're going to find it's going to soak it up. Porosity is real and conditioners really do have a great effect of transforming it back to that water resisting, healthy property state that we were meant to have. Dr. Jenny Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun, and I will never use a two-in-one conditioner ever again. Maybe in a really desperate situation. Really desperate. (laughs) On to the short list. Diana, tell us what some of your favorite conditioners are. I want to shout out any company that makes conditioners a little smaller then their shampoos instead yes. of having them be the same size. My hair is so fine and I just don't use that much conditioner. So for me, I, I appreciate when a bottle is a little smaller on the conditioner side and then I have my regular shampoo. But I, I get that that could be flipped depending on hair type. And I've seen it done actually. If it's a curl collection, the conditioner is bigger than the shampoo. And then for those with finer hair like myself, the shampoo is larger than the conditioner. So Just a blanket, a blanket shout out to start off with. My personal favorites are mostly leave-ins or masks. Um, I really like Color Wow's money mask that was designed with Chris Appleton, the celebrity hairstylist. Um, It's got this really cool texture to it. It's kind of like a whip, I would say, so it doesn't weigh down my hair, but it's still super duper hydrating. I also love the Christophe Robin regenerating mask with prickly pear. Um, It smells a little funky, as I've heard a lot of prickly pear products do, but uh, that one really does the trick. And then I love Pantene's intense rescue shots. Those are great when, like, I really need a haircut. Should probably get, like, two or three inches of hair cut off, but I'm trying to, to milk it. I just run that through my ends, and it makes a big difference. I love those for travel, too. I always put, like, a couple of them. You just throw them in the bag, and it's a one-shot treatment. So good. What are your favorites, Jenny? So I, like you, I usually, I don't really use like regular conditioner. Like I usually use a mask mm. in a tub whenever I condition, which is I shampoo probably three or four times a week. And I've really never met a Kerastase mask I did not like. So I often go back to those. One particular favorite is the Nutritive Cream Magistral. It's the one with the orange lid. And then the that green tub, it's another one for damaged hair. I think it's called the Resistance Mask. I like both of those. I also like OGX has um, an argan oil 
mask in a tub that is a nice drugstore option. I'm like four months past needing a haircut at this point. So I feel like I'm putting all my conditioners to the test and those are definitely getting the job done. And speaking of getting the job done, that concludes our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we're fighting the frizz and arming ourselves with serums, silicones, and whatever the heck an ionic hairdryer is. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate it and leave us a review. And subscribe. It helps new listeners find us. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Lore on Instagram at A-L-L-U-R-E. Follow me, J Bayi, on Instagram. That's J B as in boy, A-I-L-L-Y. And you can follow Diana at Diana Mazone. That is two N's in Diana and two Z's in Mazone. On the Allure and Condé Nast team, producer is Chloe Sabin. Associate producer is Deprina Gadbolo. Director of Global Podcast is Nico Steele. And executive producer is Megan Shubona. The editorial project leads are Soini Driscoll and Monica Perry. Lead researcher is Westry Green. And the theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. And on the Wonder Media Network team, lead producer is Maddie Foley. Supporting producer is Sundas Hassan Noli. Production manager is Emily Rudder. And production assistant is Carmen Borca Carrillo. Executive producer is Jenny Kaplan.